You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. sanctification is a process. When we believe by faith in Jesus Christ and we accept him into our life, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit and we are sanctified immediately. We are made holy. Boom. Immediately. But it doesn't look that way sometimes because I'm still me. And it has to come out. From the minute I'm born again, from that point on, the Holy Spirit begins this process of conforming us into the image of Jesus. And as we submit to the Lord through the Holy Spirit, we're changed. Wouldn't it be great and so much easier if at the moment you became a Christian, you transformed into a perfect sinless saint? As Pastor Dave teaches today, all good things take time. The Holy Spirit is continually working in you to transform you to become more like Jesus. And he won't stop until you're perfected. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 18 as he begins his message, Dedication, Sanctification, and Consecration. come up with three words when I look at this passage, and you might be scratching your head, how the heck did he get these three words out of this passage? But I scratched my head too, so. Dedication, sanctification, and consecration. Have you ever thought about these words? Have you ever heard these words in your Christian walk? They're, they're thrown around a lot. These words are often used when opening up certain truths about our new life in Christ. The truths are opened up to us as we look at these words. And although sometimes these words might seem scary to us, an understanding of them and their meaning may help us to accurately apply them to our Christian walk. As we look at these definitions of these words that I have here this morning, I would ask you that if you would look at them, listen, and see if you can't find a common thread a commonality in the definitions as we work our way through. The first one being dedication. Dedication is the act of devoting to or giving to something. To be dedicated means to be set apart for a special use or commit to a particular course of thought or action. Each of us in our lifetime has been dedicated to something or someone. What has been the dedication of your life? For some, it may be your children. It may be raising those children. Maybe you are a family person and you are dedicated to your family. By the way, all these things I mentioned are good things. Save one. Maybe it's been your career. Maybe it's been your career that you've been dedicated to. And this has encompassed your life. And maybe your life can be described by your career. Some have dedicated their lives to the pursuit of arts, maybe painting or other type of art, or maybe playing a musical instrument. People dedicate their lives to that. I mean, if you want to be good at playing a musical instrument, John will tell you, it takes dedication, commitment, and countless hours of practice. In fact, this pianist gave a great concert 
a beautiful, wonderful concert one day, and afterwards this admirer walked up to him and said, I'd give my life to be able to play like you. And the pianist replied, I did. But unfortunately, too many of us have dedicated our lives to ourselves. Too many of us have dedicated our lives and become self-seeking. I mean, after all, it is all about me, isn't it? At one time in my life, I was a dedicated runner. We've talked about that. It became, for me, a passion. I dedicated all the energies of my life into that sport. But all my energies were inward. It was self-serving and self-seeking. Thankfully, all this came to a crashing halt when I was apprehended by the hound of heaven. When I was apprehended by Jesus Christ, my energies now are turned outward as I now dedicate my life to serving him. Think about it. The apostle Paul once was dedicated to the destruction of Christianity. That was his sole purpose. And he thought he was serving God by trying to destroy Christianity. He was zealous in his persecution of the church. He was dedicated to ridding the world of this sect. Let's get him off the face of the earth. But after a meeting with Jesus Christ on the Damascus Road, his priorities changed a little bit. He was no longer dedicated to the destruction of the church now. He had a new dedication. It was the call of God in his life. He had been set apart by the Lord for one purpose and one purpose only, and that is carrying the gospel message to the Gentiles. He became the apostle to the Gentiles, and he used that same zealousness he once had for destroying the church to building up the church and planting new churches. Pretty interesting. Paul now preached and taught the gospel everywhere he went, and nothing deterred him from that which what he was called to do. That's true dedication. The next word is sanctification. Sanctification also means to be set apart. It means to set a distinction between or to be set aside for a special purpose. Sound familiar? Think of the process of making maple syrup. I know you think of that every day. Maple trees are tapped with buckets and they're hung under the taps and out drips this sap, which is very thin and clear. It's almost like water. And on a good day, some 50 trees will yield 30 to 40 gallons of this sap. But essentially, it's useless because there's only a hint of sweetness to it. Then as the buckets are filled up, they're emptied into a large bin that sit open an open fire. The sap comes to a slow boil. And as it boils, its water content is reduced and its sugars are concentrated. Hours later, it's developed a rich flavor and a golden brown color that we come to know and love. But then it must be strained several more times to remove the impurities before being reheated, bottled, and graded for quality. In the end, those 30 to 40 gallons of sap are reduced to one gallon of pure, delicious maple syrup. A little bit different than those sugary, watered-down, cheap imitations that you buy on the, shelter, on the shelf of the grocery store. Isn't that much like what happens to our life when we come to Christ? We start out raw, unfinished sap. I know, who you calling a sap? We could have been tossed aside as worthless, but God knew what he could make out of us. 
He knew what he could do with us. So he sought us and he found us. And his skillful hands began to transform us into something precious, something sweet, something pure, something useful. In the long and often painful refining process, it brought forth this purity and it brings back a genuine discipline or a genuine time that we can so be so easily distinguished from the cheap imitation. There's so many of them out there. You see, our outward sanctification is a process. Our outward sanctification is a process. When we believe by faith in Jesus Christ and we accept him into our life, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit and we are sanctified immediately. We are made holy. Boom. Immediately. But it doesn't look that way sometimes because I'm still me. And it has to come out. From the minute I'm born again, from that point on, the Holy Spirit begins this process of conforming us into the image of Jesus. And as we submit to the Lord through the Holy Spirit, we're changed. And we begin to change outwardly. And our actions start to show something different than what we were. We're becoming sanctified outwardly. We're showing the world what happened inside. And it's coming out. We're changed. David Gusick says, our participation in this eternal plan is essential. It's reflected in its goal that we might be conformed to the image of his son. And this is a process that God does with our cooperation. It's not something he just does. Oh, it's done on the inside. But to get it done on the outside, God needs your cooperation. What does he need from you? Submission. He needs you to submit to his will. He needs you to submit to his love. He needs you to submit and yield to the power of the Holy Spirit and its influence. We used to sing a song. I think it was made popular by Mary Barrett from Merritt Island. The words of it are, And I will serve no foreign god nor any other treasure. I used to love that song. I will serve no foreign god nor any other treasure. And this is what it means to be sanctified. It means that my life is now dedicated. There's that word. It means that my life is now dedicated unto the service of God. And as I grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus, I am changed from within. And that new creation I've become, that Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that new creation that I've become now starts to manifest itself outwardly. And people start to see it. How come you don't do that anymore? How come you're not this way anymore? Boy, you've changed. What's different in your life? I'll tell you what's different. I have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And that's what is different in my life. In other words, my actions start to match my beliefs. To put it on the street terms, my talk matches my walk. People can see it. Oswald Chambers said this about sanctification. In sanctification, the one who has been born again deliberately gives up his right to himself to Jesus Christ. Giving up or submitting, that submission that I talked about. Our sanctification comes through faith in Jesus Christ. When you come to a true understanding of your salvation, you want to live your life exclusively for him. You have to come to that true understanding. Then, when you've come to that true understanding, you want to consecrate your life to God. The third word, consecration. To consecrate means to declare or to be set apart to dedicate solemnly to a service or a goal. It can also mean sanctification. 
This is something we choose to do, consecrate. We choose to do it. We choose to consecrate our lives to the Lord, to dedicate our lives to his service. We declare that we are now set apart for him. And our actions are now a result of our choice. Our actions now reflect what has happened within us and as we live out our life dedicated to him who's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. A young lady was speaking to an evangelist about her consecration. She said, I dare not give myself wholly to the Lord because he might send me out to China as a missionary. The evangelist said, if some cold, snowy morning, a little bird should come, half frozen, pecking at your window, seeking shelter, and would let you take it and feed it, thereby putting itself entirely in your power, what would you do? Would you grip it in your hand and crush it? Or would you give it shelter, warmth, food, and a care? A new light came on the girl's eyes. She said, oh, I see now that I can trust God. I can trust God for everything in my life. I can give him my entire life. I can consecrate myself to him. My choice is to give him everything I am. Two years later, she meets the same evangelist. She reminds him of the conversation that they once had. And she told him she had completely given herself to the Lord. She completely devoted herself and dedicated to God. She consecrated herself to God. And she, her face lit up with a huge smile. And she says, and guess where he's sending me? China. See, see the difference? I hope he doesn't send me to China. Oh, I don't want to go to China. But then she gives herself wholly to God. And now he's sending her to China. See, that's what happens. We give ourselves wholly to God. And he uses us when we give our whole life to Jesus Christ without measure. And we put ourselves in complete submission to his will. We will serve him when he calls without hesitation. There'll be no questions. Only yes, Lord, and followed by obedience to his call. We read that today in Isaiah 6, when his iniquities were taken away, when his sins were purged, and when, they, when he heard the call, who shall I send? What was the answer? Here am I. He was ready for the call because he realized what had happened in his life. He realized his salvation. So we have these words, dedication, sanctification, and consecration, and we have their definitions, and we can see that from these three words that they're somewhat interchangeable. They're somewhat used in the same context. When you look at these three words, there is a common thread. Did you catch it? Did you catch the common thread? Interesting, the same two words appear in each definition, and those words are set apart. They appear in every definition. The phrase set apart means to be put in a specified position or state, to be placed in a specified position or state, and it carries a connotation of selecting someone for a specific purpose. Selecting someone for a specific purpose. The Bible speaks of God sanctifying the seventh day. That is, it was a day to be set aside for God. No work was to be done, but our minds and our hearts would be turned toward him during that day. When you're not working during that day, your heart and your mind is supposed to be guaranteed set on God. That's what it was called. It was called the Sabbath. Even the vessels that were used in the temple, they were sanctified and consecrated to God, which means they were set aside for the rest. They weren't used for anything else. They were not allowed to be used for anything else because they only had one purpose and one purpose only. is to go into the temple and to be in the temple and to be used for the purpose of sacrifice. They were set apart. 
But the phrase set apart can have two connotations, one negative connotation and a positive connotation. Negatively, if you're set apart, it can mean isolated. It can mean detached. It can mean secluded or even alone. This is not what we've been set apart for. But when we look at the positive connotation, we see the meaning of hand-picked with a special purpose. Hand-picked with a special purpose. Now, that's God's way. When we come to him through faith in Jesus Christ, we are set apart. We are separated from the world. We're not separated and set apart by our physical appearances. Darn it. We're not separated by our physical strengths. We're not separated by our intellect. Thank you, Lord. We're not set apart by the changing of our thought patterns and positive directions. No, we're set apart solely by the Lord as we place our faith in Jesus Christ. Why are we set apart? We are set apart for a common lifestyle that has been predetermined by God with his purpose in mind. The psalmist David says in Psalm 4, verse 3, but know that the Lord has set apart for himself him who is godly. The Lord will hear when I call him. The Lord has set us apart for what? For himself. He has set us apart to be pure. He has set us apart for his service. He has set us apart for his pleasure. We are his children. We become godly when we place our faith in Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross for our sins. We become born again, and God says, now I'm going to separate you to me. I'm going to take you out of this world. You are mine. You are my children. I'm going to bring you into my family. And he takes us, and he puts us into himself. As we look at today's scriptures, in Acts 18, 18, I can see these three words. Maybe they're not written down, but nevertheless, we can draw some conclusions about the apostle Paul and his dedication, his sanctification, his consecration to the Lord. Verse 18 simply says, we'll read it again, so Paul, still, so Paul still remained a good while. Then he took leave of the brethren and sailed for Syria, and Priscilla and Aquila were with him. He had his hair cut off at Chantria, for he had taken a vow. Back in Acts 18.11, we talked about Paul staying in Corinth for a year and six months teaching the word of God. But it says here that he still remained a good while. The still remain refers to after the problem with the Jews. After the time he spent before Gallio at the judgment seat. He remained there even after that. Even after the continued threats. Even after the beating of Sosthenes. Even after the violence that was directed towards his body. And go back further. Even after what happened in Iconium. What happened in Lystra. What happened in Philippi. And all those other places. Even after that, he continued to preach and teach the word of God. He continued on to do that which God had called him to do. Paul was dedicated to what the Lord had called him to do. Listen to what he says in Acts 26. We'll get there someday. In Acts 26, verses 19 to 23, he says this. He's standing before King Agrippa. And he says, therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent. Turn to God and do the works befitting repentance. For these reasons, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. Therefore, having obtained help from God, to this day I stand, witnessing both to small and great, saying no other things than those which the prophets and Moses said would come, that the Christ would suffer, that he would be the first to rise from the dead and would proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. 
Paul simply declares in front of this king, I have a dedication to my Lord. I haven't deterred from that at one time. I was not disobedient to what he had called me to do and commanded me to do. Paul had been set apart by God. Paul had been set apart by the Lord. If you look at the first verse of 1 Corinthians 1, the first verse of 2 Corinthians 1, the first verse of Ephesians 1, Colossians 1, and 2 Timothy 1, they all say the same thing. Paul, called to be an apostle by the will of God. Paul was called by God. He was set apart to become an apostle. It wasn't man's will. It wasn't Paul's will. It was God's will. And it was God's will that he declared the gospel to the Gentiles. It was God who called Paul. And it was Paul, in turn, then dedicated to that call. He devoted himself, even during times of trouble. He says that during those times of trouble, guess what? God strengthened me. God was there with me. And I got my help from God. Paul was committed to the course that God had laid out for him, regardless of the outcome of his life. Can you say that? God is a course for your life. God, are you committed to that course and serving him, regardless of the outcome? Regardless of what happens in your life, regardless of the circumstances, are you committed to the Lord, walking in that way with the Lord, dedicated to him? Because what he's done for you. We have to ask ourselves, am I committed in that way to God? Paul committed his life. One of our definitions of dedication was to commit it to a particular course of action. Paul knew what he was called to do, and he committed himself to that. And he kept his focus on that. Jesus had his face like a flint to the cross. When he came to earth, he knew exactly where he was going. He knew exactly what he had to do. Because he was dedicated to what the Father had sent him to do. And I thank God for that. I thank him for that, for being so dedicated, for coming down for me and saving me. So the scripture says, after many months in Corinth, Paul decided to leave. He says, then he took leave of the brethren and sailed for Syria with Priscilla and Quilla. Paul's time in Corinth had come to an end. Many think that Paul had had his full of the depravity and the uncleanliness of Corinth. And this caused him to take a vow and consecrate himself before the Lord. They believed that the intense worldliness of Corinth made Paul want to express his dedication and separate himself to the world more than ever. So Paul left. The Lord had called Paul and set him apart for a special purpose. I want you to go and take the message to the Gentiles. He had stayed in Corinth a long time. Many, many things were happening in Corinth. A large church was being formed. A beachhead in Europe, a large magnet church was being formed. Many people were getting saved, but the Lord was saying, Paul, I've called you to other things. I've called you. There's more people that you need to talk to. There's more people that you need to see. It was time for him to move on and come to into the ministry and continue in the ministry that the Lord had had for him. You know how difficult it is to leave a thriving fellowship and answer the call of God? It's extremely difficult to leave a thriving fellowship and answer God's call when he calls you out to something. It's a choice that only you can make when God calls you. You are a You've been listening to A Sure Hope Radio with Pastor Dave. Pastor Dave comes to us from Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. In today's message, Pastor Dave is in the book of Acts. In this book, you'll hear about many people who had been eyewitnesses of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. They were now going to tell others about Jesus, and many were coming to a saving faith. 
If these disciples were just following some flash-in-the-pan rabbi, they wouldn't have been so eager to risk their lives for the sake of telling about this good news. No, it's because they saw it lived out, and they saw the greatest miracle of all happen, Jesus dying and then rising again. What an incredible time to live! So when you're facing opposition and persecution for following Jesus, remember that these disciples did too, and they were willing to face the ramifications for such faith. If you're wrestling with what this means to have a saving faith, we'd love to seek God in prayer with and for you. You can email us your requests at info at capewatchradio.com. If you'd rather call, we can chat with you on the phone too. Our number is 609-884-5821. That phone number once more is 609-884-5821. Anything else you'd like to know about can be found on our website, assurehoperadio.com. We've come to the end of our time together for today, but we'll be back next time as Pastor Dave shares some more great things from the Bible here on Assure Hope. Assure Hope.